morning, everyone. Oh, yes, that's what I like. Did you catch that um, verse on the song you just sang there? I, I'm to be filled, to be emptied again. Man, I love that thought for the morning. I love the idea that maybe even today is the day that we're coming here to be filled just to be emptied again out into the world. And I just love that thought. So uh, good morning. We got some fun stuff going on today. Uh, I've been excited. I was telling the gang this morning, I've been excited for a month uh, for what today means, just to be able to talk about what's in the scriptures today. Um, if you, you caught that today, we're going to have our business meeting at the end, but we're going to have just at the end of the sermon today, we're going to have something special go on, so uh, try not to fall asleep between... Uh, if you do, if you do, just wake up at the very end. Okay, you don't want to miss this thing. So, um, the past few weeks, we've been talking about the body, right? And that's kind of our, our series has been all about. Um, the, the Bible uses the body of Christ as an analogy of who? us, the church. The church is the, the body of Christ. Um, so we've been talking about the bones. In other words, a good body has a good set of bones. And so as the Journey Church strives to be what it's supposed to be and what we are supposed to be according to uh, the scriptures, uh, we want to have good bones. We want to have a good solid um, structure. So we've talked about a high view of God on our first uh, week that we needed to have a proper perspective of who he was and who we were or are. Um, we talked about the belief, the absolute uh, idea of the authority of the scriptures, that if, we're, if we don't believe this is true, then we're in big, big trouble. So having a high view of God and um, believing that this is the real deal is, 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 um, is key. And then last week we had a guest speaker, Dallas, my friend Dallas Gatlin. Did you enjoy Dallas when he was here? Yeah, great. Yeah, I love sharing my friends, so maybe we'll do that a little bit more. But Dallas talked about um, really sound doctrine. In other words, we had to have uh, good teaching under our belt in order to have these strong bones. So today, we're going to talk about spiritual authority. And sadly, if you just went, Ugh, just like that, you just kind of went, Ugh, cringed a little bit. Uh, because when we use the word authority, people cringe. Uh, and we, we cringe for a, a couple of reasons. Uh, it could be because you've been uh, abused by authority in the past. And that happens, and we know that. These abuses of authority can happen in a variety of different places, uh, home, work, and even church. And so when people talk about authority, it's maybe because of a, and they cringe a little bit, it's because of a bad past experience. Uh, other reasons we could have was we just don't like people telling us what to do, to be honest, right? None of us do. And you go, well, why is that? Well, we reject authority. We just do. And the reason we do that is because we are broken. It's what got us in trouble in the first place, right? Right from the garden, we're, we got in trouble with this. The first one to fall was Satan. We, if you ever want to read about that in Isaiah 14, 
you can find out where he made the huge mistake of thinking that he could be just like God. He doesn't need God's help. He doesn't want any part of that. So what we call it fallen, God um, basically kicks Satan out of his presence. And then now he's been, uh, if you want to say, assigned to the realm, the unseen realm of the world. And so um, Adam and Eve had their chance at uh, sticking with God, hanging with God, being doing what he wanted them to do. But then Satan chirped in his ear, in her ear, and they disobey God. And now they also are separated from the present, and that's why you and I are sitting in that same spot today. But it's because we don't like authority is why we actually need authority. And what we're going to do is talk a little bit about that, the gifting of that today, and how God has actually given us as a gift. God has given authority to us as a church as a gift. And so we shouldn't really shun it or cringe at it, but we should actually embrace it and use it uh, for our good. Uh, so today we're going to just take a little glimpse at that. We're going to talk about its origin, its purpose, and the effect it has on us. So before we dive into all that, let's uh, pray together, okay? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for you being you, that you are almighty, you are in control. Even when we disobey, you still love, you still give mercy, you hand out abundant grace. Man, we thank you for all those things today, Lord. Help us understand what you um, really set out to do through the church. Help us understand the, the giftings you've given uh, certain people in the church. And uh, Lord, just um, we, we want to fall under your authority uh, most of all. We just love you and we thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we first think about uh, authority, um, we, we think about power. And those two words are really kind of closely related. Like when you say power and authority. Uh, very close, very closely related. Even the Bible, some of the Bible translations, they interchange those words. And we all know that the Bible was written... Uh, the original authors uh, wrote in their own languages, right? Either Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, right? And then translations over the years have happened. But the English words, power and authority, are pretty well linked, but they have, uh, they're like, kind of like cousins. So, um, example, let me give you an example. Matthew 6, we all know that Jesus instructed us how to pray in the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Let me read some of that. It says, in this manner, therefore, this is Jesus instructing us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be uh, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from ev the evil one. And here it is. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So that was one example 
And let me give you the second, and we'll talk about the two. The next one, uh, Matthew records in not, uh, chapter 9 of his uh, gospel. Um, so he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat, crossed over, and he came to his own city. Then behold, they brought him uh, to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once... Some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. So in both, both versions, I read from the King James, just, or New King James just now, both words were power in there, but they have different Greek meanings. And so we want to just touch on that. It says, although they are closely related, the Greek word in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, is uh, dynamite. And it's kind of where we get the word dynamite. Uh, our English word dynamite meaning bang, power. Which means to have inherent strength or actually the ability to bring about a desired purpose. So when Jesus teaches us uh, about the power of God's kingdom, he teaches us to pray. What he's praying, asking us to pray is that God's power, his ability that is going on in heaven comes to earth. So pretty awesome power. It's a pretty cool prayer to have that kind of power come. And, and then in Matthew 9, when we're talking about the paralytic, uh, the Greek word there is ekousia. And what it means is authority. So a little different. There's power, the ability to do something, but authority. And authority focuses on the right to use that power rather than on the power itself. So Jesus had been given the authority or power by God to forgive sins. And that's what was the trouble with the scribes and the Pharisees. Always couldn't figure that out, that he had been given the authority. They always said, who, has, uh, who can forgive sin but God? That was always their complaint. Well, they didn't realize that Jesus was God and that he had been given that authority. So one is having power and one is having the right to use that power. So... When Jesus, as God, has both authority and power, um, this was evident when he started to cast out demons um, when they're talking about authority and power. So let's read out of Luke 4, verse 36. says, Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. Jesus had both the power and the right or the authority to use that power uh, to achieve the will of God. So 
When we use the term spiritual authority, because that's our topic for today, I really wanted to make this clear. We're talking about the right or the authority that is given to the church to use God's power to accomplish his purposes. Make sense? So when we're talking about us, and we're going to look at a little bit of transaction of power here over the years, over the centuries, and how this works, but that's what's really going on. So if you've been hurt by a, a, a church or a church leader or church leadership in any way, chances are the authority was abused in some way. Uh, and that happens, just like it happens at work, just like it happens at home, it can happen in the church. So, the origin of spiritual authority. Let's look at that. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to an established church in Ephesus. We're going to go to Ephesians 4. You want to flip there? And we're going to kind of hang here for a little bit. But in Ephesians 4, it describes how this transfer of authority uh, really takes place. So let's read um, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to, a, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So, and he himself, there's, there's so much in this, one, two, three, four, five words. And he himself gave some. So who is he? What did he give? And what did Paul mean by some? Well, just a few sentences early explains who he is. But Paul describes this. Um, when Paul's describing like how to be unified as a church, how, to be, how the body needs to be one. He says this in Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So what Paul's trying to really help the church in Ephesus understand and helping us understand today, um, we're going to have our differences. We're going to have uh, different personalities, different people, all that. But at the end of the day, we are all one. We're all one church. Now, the Journey Church is part of a local body of Christ, we call it. Uh, the universal body is ever, every believer who has ever believed, right, in, in a sense. Uh, they're going to be part of it. But the church itself, local church for us, is here in Davisburg, local Journey Church. It's our family. It's our family. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And that's where our focus is really going to be on today. Although this is given to the church universal and every church uh, that has come out since Christ, we are going to be talking about us. So let's look at it that way. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So the he is Jesus. We figured that out, right? Jesus is called the head just on a few verses down in verse 15. And that's kind of what we've been operating under. We understand we're the body. Jesus is the head. Everybody needs a head. Bodies don't do so good without a head. We know that, right? And so that's where we get our authority figure overall. But then 
when he uses this um, analogy or metaphor of a body and a head, he has given all power and authority to Jesus to care for the body. That's what that really means. He's just putting this into some kind of words for us, for you and for me to understand that, you know, Jesus is the head. He's, the, he's, he's running the show, if you want to say. He is who we look to. He is our authority. But then, as a part of his care for the church, he includes spiritual gifts to be distributed or authority to be given to some. And there's where we got the word some in there. Remember when it said, and he himself gave some? But I want to make it clear. Each and every believer has some type of spiritual gift. You are a gifted people. I'm looking at if you trusted Jesus um, <laughs> for the forgiveness of sin and you have entered into the body of Christ, you have been given a gift through the Holy Spirit. I hope you know what that is or they are. We've all have them and he makes them evident to us. But in this scripture, he's telling us that he has given some certain things. And all that really means when he's talking about uh, a full measure, everyone has a measure, think of a measuring cup, or some amount of authority through spiritual gifts given to them. But some he has given different measures. Think of a recipe in a way, just for kind of how I think of it, is that all of us are a bunch of ingredients into the one big cake in a way. Measuring, um, measure meaning a unit or a, a portion of the full amount. So here you can understand is that God being the full amount, the full measure, Jesus being the full measure of his glory, his grace, of his um, spiritual self, we are just a measure. He hands out just a small amount. But he does this for a reason. We're going to talk about that. So what Jesus has done, he just hasn't given it to some. We all have something. We also have some portion. But in his perfect will, he distributes a variety of these gifts so that the body can function. And you're, you're getting the picture, right? Is that we all have a part in this somehow. So he gave some to be apostles is the first thing he says. Apostle is really just, um, we're really talking about the first 12 apostles. You probably read about them in your, in your Bible or heard about them. The, the first ones he called to start the church. An apostle really just means messenger. So this, you can kind of understand what their job was at the very beginning of the start of the church. Remember, the church started after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when the church began. And the apostles were the, the messengers to carry out this message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, to all the world. So what we have is the first 12 as having authority to preach, to cast out demons, and perform signs and wonders. So they were given a, a, a special measure, a larger measure, measure maybe than some. And that's what he means by some. Well, some were given apostles. That special gifting that it took to spread and start the church. 
Some were prophets, he said, were spoken. Um, these guys were just spokesmen for God. And if you understand what a prophet is, he's really just hearing from God and then speaking it out to one or more people. And the prophets had a special gifting as well. They just were communicators of God's will to man. Now, you and I um, are really understanding, for the most part, apostles are, were the 12, and they've all um, been martyred, for the most part, and are dead and gone. And then the prophets, we, we hear a lot about Old Testament prophets. These prophets were the prophets of the New Testament. And now that those prophets have been pretty much, God can do anything he wants, right? He can bring back prophets anytime he wants, but we're to understand that prophets are pretty much um, a thing of the past. But what we have that they didn't have is this book. Now, this book was um, given to us by the Holy Spirit through men. So these men, being some of them prophets, wrote this down. We talked about this in our talk about the, um, how important the, the authority of the scriptures are to us. That through the Holy Spirit, God communicated to these men, they wrote this down, and now you and I have the words that they heard. Isn't that pretty incredible when you think about it? Is that these, we would have missed out if we weren't living at the time of the prophets. We, we wouldn't even know what God wanted us to do, how he wanted us to act, what we should be doing in any way, shape, or form. But we have the Bible here for us today. Then there were some that were evangelists. Those were specially gifted in this time of the early church to preach the gospel and to carry it in all parts of the world. Uh, although there were certainly some who have been given a greater measure than others, We've been teaching here, um, we see it in the scriptures everywhere, and it's today, as believers in Christ, we're to be evangelists as well. We're to carry the good news, not only in deed, but in also in word. And so we know that evangelists are been given, at least at the time of the early church, some of them were really given a special measure of God's authority to go out and preach the gospel. Pastors is the next one up. The Greek word for pastor here is really just shepherd. Um, the shepherd is a metaphor that's been used all throughout the New Testament and even some of the Old Testament. And the reason for that was they would understand what that meant. When he was gifting certain men, he was going to gift them and they labeled them pastor or shepherds. So when sheep are so valuable to um, New Testament era people, um, they were very valuable. And so the shepherd was the one that was always in charge of taking care of the sheep, protecting them, guarding them from predators and other bad shepherds. And that was the job of the shepherd. So the people would automatically know what the role of that pastor was to the local church of the day. Same is today. We know Jesus is the good shepherd, right? And he ultimately cares, like we said, as the head for the whole church. He protects it. He guards it. But pastors serve as under-shepherds, in a sense. Uh, under the head of Jesus, 
The good shepherd, all pastors of local churches serve under him as under shepherds, if you want to think of it that way. But they also care for the flock. Listen to what Peter says when he's trying to encourage pastors in 1 Peter 5, 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion or because you have to, but willingly, not for dishonest game, but eagerly. Uh, Peter reminds us today that the flock is actually God's, right? That's ultimately this church, this local body is whose? It's God's. You are God's. Pastors and church leaders are really just called to take care of the flock. That's, that's the idea here, and that's the authority given to pastors. Uh, teachers, he mentions teachers. Uh, many think that these two are linked, pastor-teacher, teacher-pastor, which I agree. But a teacher can also be anyone really just who is divinely empowered to explain the scriptures. Uh, that happens. You ever notice how some um, people just really have a knack for, it's like, man, how did they get that out of that? I don't understand how, I, I read the same thing they read. Well, the Holy Spirit just gifts them uh, with understanding and wisdom, just maybe a little greater measure than some. But we all can understand the uh, scriptures, but it's obvious that God has given empowered special men to do these roles, whether that be apostle, um, evangelist, pastors, teachers, and such. But why? Why? Why has he done this? It must have a purpose. Well, the purpose is in Ephesians 4:12. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. <clears throat> church leaders are given gifts to equip the saints. That's why you have church leadership. They aren't just people that turn the lights on and check the mail. There's more to it, you know. The whole idea here is that church leaders have been given special gifts in order to shepherd the flock, to lead the flock, equip the saints, to make someone complete or adequate, that's all equip really means. Like if you were to uh, try to play football without any equipment, you probably wouldn't play in the game very long, right? The kind of the idea here is that we are to be equipped as a church and spiritual leaders, leaders of the church are there to help equip us in that. Ephesians uh, 4.14 says this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things uh, into him who is the head in Christ. And so what is all that saying? It's saying that when we first become believers, it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're 10 years old or 100, when you come to Christ, you are a child. Yes, you are a child of God, but you're also a child in maturity age, okay? So as we grow, 
we learn. And how do we learn? Well, we learn by the church leaders, uh, teachers, the pastors are there to help uh, lead and, and direct and protect and teach along the way. So every week, your leaders here at the Journey Church, we're making a real hard effort on trying to equip the flock. We really are. Um, if you've noticed, every Sunday we're, we're here preaching in one, some type of a way, teaching in some type of a way, to really, it's to equip you and get you ready to grow you from a child and grow you into an adult. That's what he means by growing up in all things, that we don't want to be children that are tossed about. The analogy here is like a ship on the waves, and you can kind of think about a ship out of control but there's a ship on the seas and it's being tossed and flipped and every little wind, it calls it the wind of doctrine, just blows the ship over here. Next thing you know, it blows it over there. That's what happens to children when they don't have sound doctrine, when we're not equipped. So then we get on our Facebook, we get on our social media and we hear something and it sounds good to me and then we run in that direction so we're tossed over here and then next thing you know wait a minute this one sounds pretty good too and then we're tossed over here or we'll listen to this church leader or listen to that um, whatever it is out there or watch this thing well how do we know what's right well the scriptures have clearly told us that we have church leaders to help us figure that out to help us grow up into the maturity where we're no longer just flying about like a ship uh, in, the, uh, in the wind. So with that said, we have Thursday Night Grow Group here at the, at the Journey. If you're not a part about, of that, I encourage you to try to get involved in that. If you can, if your schedule allows, we have a really good time. We're going through a lot of fundamentals of the faith kind of stuff. It's been real good. Tons of awesome questions have come out of it. Um, it's just such a sweet time together. And what are we doing that day? We're equipping each other. We're sharp, iron sharpening iron that night. It's just a great time together, and we're growing together. Um, any of our church leaders are willing to meet with you. If you have questions, you want to know, as uh, long as you take me somewhere where there's good coffee, I'll go anywhere. I'll meet with you. I really will. Bagels are optional, just telling you. But no, really, serious. You guys have any question, you, you want to be equipped, you want to grow up into the maturity so we're not tossed all around, um, that's what church leaders are for. So I'll encourage you to tap into that. Um, again, we don't want to be kids. We want to grow up into all things, you know, speaking the truth in love. It's funny how many uh, times I'll hear in a month's time about something that somebody has read on the internet or um, maybe on a Facebook post or something that is not true. But they will speak that truth as if it was. And man, so much of, so much of the church gets in trouble, the body of Christ gets in trouble when we're speaking things because in a, that aren't true, that we're actually being tossed about is what's going on there when that's happening. So how do we know that? Well, you can, uh, church leaders are here to help equip you to do that. So we need to grow up. That's really what, with the thought. And I know that doesn't, we're all adults in here for the most part, right? But in having somebody stand up in front of you and tell you, hey, you need to grow up, 
isn't really necessarily the uh, most pleasant thing, but it's the truth, right, guys? We need to grow up and um, because there's work to do. There, there's work to do in the ministry, and if you're seeing the progression out of Ephesians 4, that's what it's telling us to do. Equip the saints for the what? The work of the ministry. So if we're all children, it's hard to really get any work done, in a sense. So one of the devil's greatest tricks is to convince you that ministry is only for the leaders in your church. That it's a trick. He's, oh no, he'll handle that. that the, the pastors, that's what they do. That's what they get paid the big bucks for. And you know, and all that other, all that other stuff that comes into our head, right? Is, and it's a lie right from the devil. That's not it. We're really pastors and leaders. We're just really here to equip you, to help you, to guard you, to protect you. But there, there needs to be some learning growing up on your end. So with this said, when the enemy knows, you know, that um, he's got you, you'll just come in the door and turn around and go right back out. And that was the, your week's worth of ministry. Uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be, guys. God is given um, authority to the leaders to equip you so that you can be ready for the ministry. Uh, do you know the minute that you gave your life to Christ that you entered into the ministry? Did you know that? you ever think of it that way? But you have. That's exactly what the scriptures tell us, that immediately we're in the body of Christ. We're, we're to do ministry. But I think we've kind of fell to that lie of the devil, right? Where he says, no, that's just for a, these, a, these guys that we're talking about, pastors and elders and bishops and people like this. Don't fall for that lie. Yes, there's spiritual gifts given to the leaders, but every believer is given gifts to do the work of the ministry. So to, to do the work of the ministry, you go, what does that really mean? It just, that word just means to serve. That's all it really means. There's lots to do in a, even a church this size. There is lots to do, believe me. And we're going to have a business meeting at the end. and It's been so much fun, but a lot of hard work. Uh, this year in 23. We've worked hard. Your leaders have worked hard to, you know, do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But it takes us all. It takes us all to do and be involved in the work. So let this not be us, guys. Let's make sure that we're getting equipped because that's what us leaders are here for, um, for you. Do you know that every part of the body needs to be working in order for the body to be strong? You know that? You know, we're all, as a church, we're only going to be as strong as the whole, as each individual piece. That's as strong as we're ever going to be. Uh, imagine going to the gym and only working out your forearms. Okay, no leg presses, no squats, no stomach crunches. I don't know. I don't go to the gym, so as you can tell. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Imagine if you only worked out one part, maybe your forearms. Uh, imagine what you would look like. You got all these scrawny parts, and then you got these great big form. Kind of reminds you of Popeye, doesn't it? You know, get this great big old forearm. But that's really what happens to our body. That's what happens to the body of Christ when only part of it is working out. Uh, we could be so much stronger, so much better. 
um, and be used by God for the ministry if we were all exercising um, each and every week. We're learning that Jesus has given authority to some for the equipping of the saints in the, so that the saints can do ministry and that that entire body can be built up. And that's kind of the progression here of Ephesians 4. Paul says that each part of the body needs to grow together for it to grow and be healthy. And we're just kind of chatting about that. Ephesians 4.16 tells us that. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So, like, the body, like a body, uh, like a physical body, it has many parts, so does the church. And there's a measure of authority given to men to lead the church. But every member of that body has a function. Like a human body, we're all connected. We're all knit together. And that's why I think this analogy, or this metaphor of the body is so good. It helps us understand that you can just imagine us not being all one body. It, we'd be pretty dysfunctional if only my finger was working, right? Or, or, or pick your body part. So if we want our church to be healthy, we have to all be growing together. We have to grow together. And that's what the scripture tells us, that it eventually, as the body grows, it edifies itself. It grows itself like a child. So when we use the term spiritual authority, I hope you no longer like cringe at it, but actually see that it's a benefit. God has given spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, spiritual authority to the church for the body's health. Does that make sense? He does, and that's what he's done. He's not left us to grow on our own. Could you imagine if God just, uh, Jesus just went and ascended into heaven and, and he kind of just said, okay, see you guys, I'll be back another day. And that was it. He said, no. He says, hang out here, apostles. I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to have the ability to preach and, and to cast out demons and to do special things. He's, he gave them special giftings so that they could launch into the church. But then in that same strain uh, of thought, these apostles begin to raise up the church. They began to raise up other leaders in the church. And uh, we often hear the term laying on of hands, and that's really what they were doing, is just laying on hands of men. And they weren't transferring any special, like, uh, kinetic power to them. They were really just acknowledging and recognize the gift that God had given some more uh, men as they were willing to be equipped and willing uh, to work in the ministry. So how does all this affect um, the church? How does all this spiritual authority and equipping of the church and growing, what's the effect? Well, I thought of it this way this week, as I know that here at the church, at the Journey Church, we, right on our webpage, you hear Nick talk about it often when he does announcements and things, but we're a church really of a bunch of uh, 
I want to be polite here. How do I want to say this? We're broken, aren't we? We're a bunch of broken believers and uh, imperfect people. We use the words on our website. But isn't it strange that God would choose us to build a church, to be the church? Isn't that crazy when you think about it? We're all a bunch of dysfunctional people. But there's where we need to be equipped. We need to grow up and we need to grow the church. Not just so that it's, um, you know, I don't know, a, a container in itself, but it, we actually reach out and go beyond these walls and go into our communities and be a light, in, a salt and light in the world, right? Isn't, that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is, yeah, we're supposed to meet here. We're supposed to get equipped. We're supposed to grow. But that, all that is like we sang here today is really just to go out once again. Get filled up, go on out. Get filled up, go on out. And that is the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of the spiritual authority that's been given to each church to equip and send out the saints. So our desire here is that we're a people that lives by faith, known by love, and is a voice of hope in our community. I love that about us, and that's, we keep repeating that and repeating that so that it sinks into our heart and our minds so that we know that we have ministry to do. We have, um, we're more than just meeting and singing a few songs. Um, so, we need to keep growing so we can be just that. After all this, um, there is church leadership, and I want to really kind of uh, define that a little bit. Um, for you because you probably read words when you're reading in your Bible. There is elder, bishop, right? We hear that term, shepherd, pastors. So what is the difference between all of these? Uh, they're really talking about the same guy. All these words. They're just using different, the Greek uses different words, really just to kind of, um, it's in respect to the same person, the same office. So, the elder, when you hear that word elder, it started actually in the Old Testament. It meant an older person. And we use it in communication today. We call guys like me, because I'm old, you call elders, right? We're old people. That's what we call an elder. But in the church, an elder is someone that is not necessarily age or physically mature, but they are spiritually mature. That's the difference. So we have elders here at the journey, and they are spiritually mature men. Now, elder has a qualification. You can read about that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you haven't already, read. If you want to know what your elders must be, not kind of pick out a couple of those things, but this is what an elder must be in 1 Timothy 3, it says. And he had, there's a whole list there. Maybe someday we'll go over them as a church. But in that, that is what the elder must be. You hear the word bishop. Bishop just really means overseer. So you can kind of see I have a, a man of good character, 
Uh, I have a bishop who is a overseer who just kind of watches over the, all the things in the church, but I also have a man that is a pastor, and this is how he ministers, how he carries about his work. He is a shepherd. He looks over the flock. He cares for the flock. He makes sure that the flock is being watered and fed. That's all the same man, elder, pastor, bishop, shepherd. And we also see the words uh, deacon and deaconesses used in the Word of God as well. Uh, there's also some qualifications in 1 Timothy for them, um, but those, not that they're any less qualified, but they just have a different office, they have a different way. Deacon really just means serve. That's all the word deacon really means, is just to serve. So we have those here as well at the Journey Church. We call them our leadership uh, team. Uh, they're both comprised of both male and females and a mix of uh, our elders. But to be clear, elders, um, I am an elder here at the Journey Church. I have been appointed as the pastor so really, pastor, elder is my responsibility here at the journey, uh, primarily to shepherd and to oversee the flock. But in, um, in our church, we also have other elder, elders. Um, we oversee and shepherd together. That's what I, I want you guys to understand about how the journey is really set up. We try to do our best to get what we see here and imitate that here as a local church. And so what we see is never one guy kind of running the show, if you want to say, making all the shots, calling every single shot out there. We run here at the journey with elders, which are men with the qualifications of First Timothy 3, and we have a leadership team, which are really our deacons and deaconesses. So together we kind of make decisions here that go on. Officially, we have uh, two elders <laughs> at the moment. Um, we're small. My prayer is that we get um, up to five. But right now we have two. And uh, where's Brian at? There you are. Why don't you come on over? I'm going to introduce you to Brian. You probably already know Brian. Brian's, he... And I are the only two existing elders here. But we run totally with the help of our deacons and deaconesses here uh, at the church, which we call the, the leadership team. So, um, but today, we're going we're gonna to change. We're going to incrementally grow today. And I'm going to invite Nick up here. Uh, everybody knows Nick by this time. Um, Nick has been serving here at the church for years. Nick has... I was shocked that nobody had ever laid hands on Nick when I got here, and I just thought he was pastor elder already. And I didn't know that he wasn't. So as we began to interact, and I've known Nick a lot, a lot of years, he has proven himself in the community and in the church, faithful. He matches up to every single thing you see here uh, in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, we have prayed 
Um, we actually, for a few weeks, we've been praying, God, if Nick shouldn't be in now, there, you need to tell us because we want to lay hands on him and uh, commit him to the eldership. Well, I never got anything, Brian. I don't know about you, but he didn't say, the Lord didn't say anything to me. And, but we really wanted to be serious about that because we wanted to make sure um, what we were really given Nick the authority to be. Again, if you look at that progression, God has given us the authority to be here as elders and lead the church. But when we begin to do something like the laying on the hands, all we're doing is identifying with Nick. The two of us will be identifying with Nick that he has met these qualifications, that we see the work of God in his life. He has witnessed that by his works. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to lay hands on Nick and um, really just acknowledge what's going on in um, Nick's life. So um, let's put you in between. Uh, both Brian and I are going to do that. If you don't mind, Brian, would you just pray? And if you join us in prayer uh, over this, and uh, is your microphone on? Why don't you pray so they can hear you? Father God, we thank you for this day and for this joyous occasion that we lay hands on Nick and welcome in as an elder. He has served you so well for so long. Mm -hmm. We're grateful, Lord, that you've paid attention to this church and you've equipped us for every good work, that we would use these gifts for your glory and honor, that we would go from here out into the neighborhood, out into the world, mm -hmm. to lead others to Christ, that your name would be lifted up. Mm -hmm. Father, now as we ordain Nick as an elder, an elder minister. We thank you, God, for his service mm -hmm. and ask that you would bless him in a great way. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, yeah. Yeah, stay right, grab that thing. <clears throat> so, um, we're going to give Nick a certificate. It doesn't, I mean, it still is just wood and a piece of paper, right? What we just did is really what means the most. It means that we recognize that God is working in his life and he has, he has desired the office of bishop. And that's what 1 Timothy 3 says. But if you desire this thing, you desire a good work, the scriptures say, but you need to be these things. And we've, uh, Nick has shown himself to be that. But with that in mind, we're going to give him a certificate of ordination from the Journey Church. And it really just says on here, it says this certifies that Nicholas Klump has, uh, having responded to the call of God to Christian ministry and having satisfied all biblical requirements for ordination, um, we, the ordination council, having given careful examination as to moral character, soundness of doctrine, and leadership qualifications of this person for the work of the ministry, do hereby award this certificate uh, on this day. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> But what we see also uh, in the scriptures is uh, Paul speaking to younger Timothy and giving him a charge. In other words, challenge him. Um, what we never want to do is get to this point where we, someone has had hands laid on him and then all of a sudden, okay, I've reached the top. 
I'm here. Uh, no, you've actually reached the bottom, and now's the time to do the work. Uh, so in 1 Timothy 4.12, I think they have that um, for you, just so you can follow along. This is my charge, nothing more than what Paul said to Timothy, but I, I love what it says. It says, let no one despise your youth. And Timothy was... <laughs> Timothy was about 30, 35 years old, you know, at the time. And obviously Paul was the elder in age at that time. He says, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with laying on the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So, again, Timothy's age uh, wasn't what got him to be an elder. It was his maturity in Christ, and that's what Paul saw. And that's what we see in you, Nick. You've proven yourself, and um, we've had many conversations about that. And we are, as a church, we, it was great to hear you clap, because it is a celebration when a man recognizes the gift that has been given to him and then steps into that gift and commits himself to that work. So today, uh, we give God the glory, but we applaud you, Nick. So... There's our charge to you, and God bless you. It would be fun. Uh, Nick is actually going to be kind of uh, our administrative pastor uh, alongside myself. There's so, like I said, there's so many things to do here, but Nick handles so many things that are in the background here, uh, anywhere from volunteers to office work and things of that nature. So just want you to make sure that uh, you congratulate Nick today uh, as uh, we leave for the day. But uh, let me pray with you, and then what we're going to do is just kind of dismiss for 15 minutes. If I, I hoping that you'll uh, love and want to be and stay around for our business meeting. We're just going to catch you up on a few things that have been going on here at the Journey Church and where we stand, and uh, hoping you'll want to be uh, part of that meeting. So let's pray, and we'll end our gathering. Lord, thank you for um, the gift that you've given us uh, of spiritual authority. We just... So grateful that you just haven't left us there hanging out there, Lord, to try to figure things out that you've gifted leaders to, to edify and to equip us and to build us up. So, Lord, we praise today, uh, give you the glory for what you're doing in Nick's life and have done. Uh, we just want to celebrate today that gifting. Um, please continue to empower him to do just that, and that is to feed your flock, uh, to equip it, and to help build it up. So, Lord, thank you. We celebrate today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Good job. Good job. Okay, go ahead. Take about a 15-minute break. If you want to hang for the business meeting, we'll, we'll start up in 15.